In your presence there is life. In your presence there is hope. In your presence we we know there's a plan. In your presence there's an anointing. In your presence there is healing. In your presence there is deliverance. In your presence there is salvation. So we reach up and we take your hand. And we say, Father, as sons and daughters, we want to walk with you. As sons and daughters, we want to know you. You said, Lord, that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. I pray for a spirit of freedom in the house. That, Lord, we will not listen to the lies of the enemy, but we will embrace the word. We'll stand upon the word. We will take the word into our spirit and know that it produces faith. And that that faith will see us through. May lives be changed this morning. Because we're in your presence. Thank you. Thank you that the future is exciting. The future is full. Because you're a God of abundance. So we lean and depend upon you. And we'll thank you and praise you. And all God's people said. Amen. Will you remain standing, please? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Can we do that? Amen. Let's just remain standing and take our Bibles and turn today to Genesis chapter 11. Worship team, you're fabulous. Thank you, thank you, thank you leading us into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. So Genesis chapter 11. This morning is a little different teaching. We kind of gave you the introduction last Sunday. And so we're going to build upon what we shared with you. So Genesis chapter 11, let's begin at verse 27. This is what the Bible says. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur, the Chaldeans, in the land in his birth. Abram and Nahor both married, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. So Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. You will bless, or I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 
And he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Before you're seated, turn to the person next to you, look them in the eye, and say, I love you more than pizza. You have to be honest now when you say it. Then you may be seated. So I came into this, the church this morning and Pastor Connie greeted me and she said, how are you? I said, pretty good. But she said, that's not usually the way you respond. It's usually a little happier than that. Well, I said, the boss is here, so I'm nervous. So I'm just thankful for this couple today. They, uh, long before he was famous, we had a great relationship. And uh, it's been... It's, it's been a delight to, uh, to walk with them and to get to know them and very privileged that they are, are pastors. How many know everybody needs a pastor? And so there are pastors in our covering and uh, I know they will guide us well. Um, further to the announcement, um, uh, our kind of our apologies that we're just here till uh, Christmas Eve. Um, but it's really important that our home is strong. And I use up points so quickly that I, I get about, about a billion points when I take my wife to Florida. So you'll forgive me if I keep the priorities, but let, just let me say what a privilege it's been uh, to walk with you, and uh, we were pretty involved all summer, so this is our second church that we've done this summer, but it's just been a delight uh, to work with the leadership and the staff, the worship team, and uh, I am so blessed this morning. What a, what a wonderful sense uh, of his presence. So thank you, everyone, and uh, thank you for making these months just a real delight. And we just know that, that as Pastor Stephen comes, that he will maintain that, uh, that spirit emphasis. So let's look at our teaching together. The title of our teaching today is The Principle of Position, The Study of Abraham. And so I, I shared with you uh, last week that I had the privilege of growing up in a pastor's home. <clears throat> My dad was an alcoholic, a brawler, chain smoker. God miraculously saved him and uh, called him into the ministry. My two brothers were pastors. My two sisters married pastors and my wife's family, a lot of them are in ministry. I had no choice, just go into the ministry, so here we are. 
But I found that after 30 years, I hit a wall spiritually. And what I realized that as I went to the, our new church in Scarborough, that my life was kind of spiritually forward and back, forward and back, forward and back. I basically told God, I'm not going to do this anymore. There's something missing. There's something that just all the effort that I had put in to the ministry, the fruit just simply wasn't there. And I began to realize as I went into months of soul searching and repentance and change, God began to uh, show me some things. And one of the things that he made very real in my heart was this diagram of uh, the Israelites coming from Egypt into the promised land, coming from Egypt into destiny. And as we said uh, last week, we realized that 600,000 men crossed the first river. Now that I taught it last week, how many remember how many went in and crossed the second river? Oh, you're amazing. So the math to go from Egypt to destiny is really not in our favor. But the thing that God showed me was I had crossed the first river, but I had not crossed the second. And somewhere in here, there was a wall. And so God began to speak to me, and he showed me that I was either circling in the desert or I would head for the promised land. I would choose to serve God wholeheartedly only to fall back. And so what we want to do this morning is to dig into the scriptures and see if we can find a biblical pattern here that supports what we're talking about. So I believe you have notes there. So what I want you to do, anyone not have notes, just raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. And uh, there's a few. And we also have some pens. So this is like school days now. So I want you to take a few moments. And there's a, a space there for you that you can write out what, is, what does it mean to give someone your heart. So the men will write a sentence, the ladies will write paragraphs. I understand that. But just take a moment, there's no wrong answers. What does it mean to give someone your heart? So I'll just give you a moment. What does it mean? to give someone your heart. My answer would be take my wife to Florida for three months.
What does it mean to give somebody your heart? Is there anyone on this side would be brave enough to stand and tell us what you wrote? Do I have any volunteer here? Anyone really brave? Yes, go ahead. Thank you so much. You just saved my life, so stand up and just read it real loud. Beautiful. Yeah. How many agree with that? No, no. How, how many? You, you okay with that? Work with me now. I know this is all different and you're nervous, but one more back here on this section. Somebody raise their hand. Yes. Fully commit yourself to something. Awesome. What about this section? Any, anybody brave enough? This is the shy section, I understand that. Anyone? Thanks, Pastor. You have to stand and you have to speak really loud because this, this is important. Nice. That's really good. Small but significant section here. Anyone? Anyone want to share? Yes. Yeah, one here and one there. We, okay. Say it once more. Thank you so much. Very good. Sorry. Yes, you may sit. To trust and be kind to all. You will find, you will find in our teaching that trust becomes a real cornerstone of, of the heart and giving of the heart. Thank you. We now have a microphone for the most important section over here. Uh, yes, right here. Thank you. All right, I'll do it for our side. Um, to surrender and give yourself your vulnerability and let another person see and know the very depth of who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Wow, that's really, really good. The ladies come through. The ladies come through. One, is there one more in this section? Beautiful. Unconditional love. One more over here. So nothing held back. Awesome. Here's what I want to say to you. What you have written down on your paper is what God is asking of you. I know I set you up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but how many would agree with me? The one thing that God wants is our heart. And what you have written down 
as difficult as, for some of us to do, because we're not into that touchy-feely thing, that, you know, that kind of emotional stuff. God is an emotional God. He is jealous for your sonship. He is so desirous of you to want him. So in my journey, some 22 years ago now, and by the way, I'm still on the journey every day, what I realized was I had given my heart to the ministry. And the reason I gave my heart to the ministry was that there was a deficit in my life, and so I needed others to see my church successful to feed the deficit that was in my life. And so the ministry became an idol. The other, and that that ministry became my wall. That's what I serve. The other thing that God showed me, which was really difficult, is I realized my dad was my wall. So when I look at hitting this wall, just crossing the first river and living in this paradigm, what I realized was that was the paradigm of my dad. Now, I had a great relationship with my father, he was a pioneer in the, in the PAOC. He pastored five churches. He planted, he, he built a church everywhere he went, had a move of God. But I realized that he had never been discipled or mentored. And what I realized was I was living my life in the paradigm uh, of ministry and the paradigm of my dad. And so what I had to do was repent of that and allow Father God to reparent me so that there were no walls and no limits so I could go deeper in him. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this, uh, this morning, that if you're experiencing in your walk with God, forward and back, forward and back, forward and back, there's a reason for it, and we're going to talk about that this morning. So let's look at our notes together in our study and follow along in the, uh, the PowerPoint that we have. The heart is a place where my emotions and my will come together to make a decision build my belief system, and results in my identity. So as we look at the first 12 years of our life, we understand that there is a formation of our heart. And so that's what we become the rest of our lives unless we are re-influenced by Holy Spirit and the Word. And, and we, we used to preach a lot about sanctification, but this is a message on sanctification, on pursuing God and allowing him to change us each and every day and constantly develop and become more like him. Can I suggest that the heart seeps into every conversation? It dictates every relationship, that our heart is the hub. Everything passes through the heart. 
we not only learn with our minds, but we also learn with our hearts. Turn with me, please, to Matthew uh, chapter 13. And looking at verse 13. Matthew 13, beginning at verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. What I want you to see here is that there are some people that sit in the church and have 25 one-year experiences. They find themselves listening to the word, but they don't perceive it, they don't understand it, because they know God in their head, but they don't know God in their hearts. The one thing that God wants is your heart. Someone said, a mother gives life and nurture, but a father imparts identity and purpose. And so there is an influence of the father, because the father is one of the greatest mentors, uh, along with mom, that influence our lives. But when you're hurt, you run to mom for the nurture. But the father imparts identity and purpose. And so if you have grown up in a healthy, godly home and your dad had crossed the second river, this journey is easy. But for some of you, there is a wall that you will face and you haven't haven't understood it because what you realize that on your journey, there are no footprints that anyone has left for you. When there are footprints, it's quite easy. And so I want you to consider this morning letting Holy Spirit just speak to you and and minister to your heart. And so what I I began to unpack as I looked at at my journey and God showed me... You're across the first river. You've been a pastor for 30 years. You had the privilege of growing up in in the pastor's home, but you have not crossed the second river. So let's just dig into that just a little more. So it'll come up on the screen because time, we're limited with time, so I won't write it all out, but let's go to the journey of the heart. So when we're in sin, uh, it's it's about unbelief. In order to cross the first river, it takes faith. Without faith, don't they do an amazing job back there? So good. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So many Christians have faith. In order to keep moving forward, you've got to add obedience to your faith. That's sanctification. It's okay to have knowledge... But wisdom is the right application of knowledge. And, and, and Proverbs says, get wisdom, get understanding, though it costs you everything. Wisdom is going and doing. Now, if you find yourself being influenced uh, in, in your life in a negative way, you need to begin to add obedience to your faith. And faith and obedience produces trust. And so 
Some people question, how can I grow trust? I'm not a very trusting person. There's reasons for that, and I don't want to minimize that. But when you study Scripture in Hebrews 3, 18 and 19, the Bible says, uh, God says there's two reasons the Israelites never came into the promised land. They lacked faith and they lacked obedience. So what I'm here to tell you today is the devotions you will have tomorrow morning is the most important and significant thing that you will do in your life for the day. Because when you get into the presence of God, his passion for you is that you will find yourself in the promised land. By the way, the promises of God are in the promised land. That's where they are. Because what we find ourselves doing is that we're, we're adding faith and we just say, and, and so many people say, okay, God, you got to do it. The word says it. I no, God's trying to father you to become more like him <clears throat> and to go on this journey when you spend time in the presence of the Lord tomorrow morning and you read the Bible and Holy Spirit talks to you about doing something or changing something, the vocabulary that we've been learning is yes. That's the vocabulary of a son and a daughter. That's the vocabulary of a disciple. Yes, I get to do this. God will often take you where you've never been before. And by the way, if you're not going where you've never gone before, it's going to be a dull journey. We have got to embrace the unknown. We've got to embrace the uniqueness of walking with God. And so when we look at our second line here, and and there's others that you can add, when I'm in sin, it's about me. It's about my body. When I'm in the desert, it's about my soul. The soul is our mind, will, and emotion. Does anyone know a Christian who lives in their soul? Well, go quiet on me. They're just, they're always in their emotions. Some days they're on the mountain, some days they're in, and it's just, and we all have those times, but it shouldn't be a regular part of our life. So what God wants us to do, and as we've talked about here, Kadesh Barnea, one of the gates into the promised land, one of the ways into the promised land, that place where we say, I will serve God wholeheartedly. I will do what I wrote down on my paper this morning. This is where we find ourselves learning to live in the Spirit. That's why this is the school of the Spirit. And when we, when we go into Hades Barnea, I call this the tunnel of chaos, that's where God begins to reparent us and change us and causes us to become like Him. That's where we learn to live in the Spirit. When we cross the second river, we walk in the Spirit. Some people say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm in my destiny? How do I know if I'm in the promised land? I believe we're in our destiny when we walk in love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long-suffering, self-control. It's fruit. And if you want to see your children serving God, let them see your fruit. 
Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. They have got to see Jesus in me. When, the th- when things are difficult, that they see Jesus in mom and dad. When we're in sin, there's a fear of Satan. When we stay in the desert, there's the fear of man. But when we choose to serve God wholeheartedly, we, we go into that, that teaching of the Spirit, that place of the Spirit where, where our, our devotions are no longer a three or a four, but they're moving forward, the goal of being a ten, and we just find ourselves uh, in the presence of God. We learn to live and to walk in the fear of God. See, it's all, it's all, a, it's all a retraining. It's all a reparenting. Then when we're in our destiny, we live in the fear of God. What is the fear of God? The fear of God is to know his will and obey it. When he speaks, we're excited to embrace the unknown. And the reason that many of us stay on this side of the wall, as I said, there's no footprints, and we come up to the wall, and no one in our family has gone forward, and and we don't know what's on the other side. You've got to displace fear with faith and go where you've never gone before. And so, when we're in sin, we're in Satan's court. When we're in the desert, we're in the outer court. When we choose to serve God wholeheartedly, we move forward into the inner court. When we cross the second river, we come into the Holy of Holies. I walked in the sanctuary this morning and Someone embraced me and was talking about the love of Jesus. Pastor, all we need is the love of Jesus. And we had a little dialogue that was very uplifting. And I said to him, I said, we will carry, excuse me, the love of Jesus when we live all week in the Holy of Holies. And as I've said before, you you can think of Pastor Jason in the Holy of Holies. You can see that. But many of us feel unworthy. I'm simply here to tell you today, you need to be on this journey. Do not be satisfied with the outer court. Don't feel that you're unworthy to come into the Holy of Holies. The Bible says that when Jesus died, the veil was rent in two. And we can come into the presence of God. It doesn't have to be a Sunday morning experience. I'm here to tell you that you carry the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is effective not when you're in the outer court or even the inner court. It's time for the church to come into the Holy of Holies. It's time for the, the, the pastors to come into the Holy of Holies. And, and if you want impartation and you want to have something to say on Sunday, be in the Holy of Holies all week and then Sunday becomes the Super Bowl and God begins to move because we've walked with him, we know him, we know the word, we've spent time with him and the rest just happens because we have intimacy with him. That's what God calls us to do. And I, I'm going to risk, but I, I preach it constantly because it's, it's a burden in my heart. Our fellowship was a revival movement a hundred years ago.
There were nominal people that were fed up with being in the outer court. They were tired of going to, church, to services where there was no spirit. They started to wait on God. They got into the Holy of Holies. They were hungry. And we will never be successful if we leave our mandate and our calling. And we can have all of the different things that we have today, but the foundation is that the elders and deacons of the house are in the Holy of Holies. Because here's the thing. This may be a personal wall, but it can, it can also be a corporate wall. This is where churches hit a wall. This, is, this wall is established by pastors and, and deacons that stop moving forward. Another good place for amen. This is where we are called to live. The disciples said, ours is not to wait on tables, but to give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. And we cannot afford as pastors to have our devotion somewhere around a three or four on a scale of one to ten. Because this is what I find. People are hungry. I said, people are hungry. They want the moving of the Spirit of God. They want life. And it's our responsibility as leaders, not just to preach the sermon, but to impart the sermon, because we've been with Jesus. <laughs> That's our calling. That's our mandate. That's what we've called to do. God, help us to go into the Holy of Holies. I want to introduce a word to you. It's the word koinonia. In Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. And this word fellowship is koinonia, and it means godly fellowship, a yielded trust. It means partnership, participation, communion, the act of conferring a benefit. The root word means share or associate or partaker, all things in common. The root word soon denotes union by resemblance, resulting in completeness. So therefore, we can say that koinonia is intimacy. And so when we think of this paradigm, the paradigm of the soul, what we find is our relationships, many of them, are of the soul the mind, will, and emotion. There's a soul tie. There's a connection. But as we move forward, God wants us to move out of our soul and come into our spirit so that our relationship has a spirit tie. That's what koinonia is. So call display is a really fascinating thing of this day. And so we... As Christians, we, the phone rings, we look at it, and we say, mm, I do not have the energy to talk to this person today. And so we dismiss it. When someone makes you feel small, they're trafficking in their soul. 
When someone is in koinonia with you, they will always make you feel big. You see, Jesus, with the woman taken in adultery, knelt down. There was, there was correction and there was truth. But when the day was finished, she felt built up. And so what we need to understand this morning is we need to have relationship in the house of God that isn't dependent on mind, will, and emotion, but it's dependent upon Holy Spirit. Can I tell you this is where the fun is? This is where the, oh, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long-suffering, self-control. I want to walk with people who have their hand in the hand of the Father. I want to walk with people that have spent time in the Holy of Holies. I want to spend time, I want to walk with people that understand what it is to honor. We need to reintroduce the culture of honor. And when we have a culture of honor, people walk through the door and they will sense the presence of God. They will sense the of God, and they might even come back. God wants us to walk spirit to spirit. I want to walk with people that build me up. That there's a sense of life. One of the greatest enemies of the church is religious spirit. Religious, my definition of religious spirit is the book doesn't match the cover. They're one way on Sunday, and the rest of the week, if you can catch this, your wife will actually like you. And want to spend time with you. When you build your group of friends, make sure they understand koinonia. What's really interesting, turn with me to Matthew 7. But I want to look at my watch. Matthew 7. Got to keep moving here. All right. Here we are. Matthew 7. And beginning at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Here was a church that had the big three. They prophesied, they cast out demons, and they performed miracles. But Jesus said, depart from me, because I never knew you. So we can have numbers, buildings, and money, and not have intimacy. This word, no, no, is gnosko in the original. When you go to Matthew 1, the Bible says... Uh, that, that Joseph did not know Mary, Gnosko, until after the baby was born. And so Joseph was not intimate with Mary. That's the supernatural aspect of Christmas till after the baby was born. 
And what I want to say to you today is that we can have a lot of outward signs, but the thing that's significant and important to God is that we have intimacy with him. Gnosko. Wanting that passion to pursue him. When we pursue this, we understand that God calls us as sons and daughters to spend time with the Father. And so here's the thing. A click is a soul tie. Only certain people are invited. But spirit to spirit, everyone is invited. And we can be religious and say that you're welcome. But I'm here to tell you that that young people can sense your impartation. They know whether they're loved or not. Children know when they're accepted. What the unsaved, when they walk in, we can say welcome. But the welcome's got to come from our spirit. Where they really genuinely feel, no matter what they've done and where they've been, this is a place of honor. We wrap our arms around people because it's spirit. So before I leave this, there's four things that I believe indicate a koinonia relationship. Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. Number two, humility. Number three, honesty. And that will always result in honor. And so if I'm walking with someone and we're both pursuing God and the fruit of the Spirit are developing in our life and we're humble and honest, we'll always feel honored. Oh, this is good. I'm glad we came to church today. God wants us to be spirit to spirit. Let's take it one more step. Look at marriage. The question is, why is there so much divorce within the church? Our spouse is our soulmate. That's the soul, that, that soul tie. And there can be healthy soul ties. We have the connection of body, sex is God-ordained. But then there's the spirit side. So what I want to say to you is if we stay in the soul, we only have part of what God intends for marriage. When we serve God wholeheartedly, there's a spirit connection along with the soul connection and the physical connection. And oh, by the way, Ecclesiastes said, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Somebody needs to get excited. Somebody needs to just kind of nudge their spouse here. Spirit to spirit. I believe when there's koinonia, there's a deeper relationship in the church. There's a deeper relationship at the staff. There's a deeper relationship at the board meeting. There's a deeper relationship in the marriage. Because that's what God calls us to. Let's bring this home. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Here's the meat of the message. Coming back to our text. So Haran is halfway between Ur and Canaan. And so Abraham's father started out for the promised land, but he stopped halfway. Here's Haran. 
Where you stop is likely where you'll die. So our denomination, like every other denomination, is at a uh, hundred years. Very important milestone. If we stay in the spirit, we're not going to die like other denominations. And that's one of my passions. But if we choose to begin, you see, it's harder to pastor success than it is failure. So now we're accepted on the, the town councils and all of the, all of the different committees. And we have our churches and the, many of them are paid for. And, but that's the time when we have to stay humble and broken and submitted to God. So I say, Holy Spirit, continue never to allow us even as a fellowship, to have a wall. So I want to, want to say this, three things that establish our wall. That's our family of origin. Because God said to Abraham, stay with me as we close here this morning. God said, I, God said to Abraham, I want you to leave three things. And I believe it's these three things that build our wall, our family of origin. Parents, culture, and generations. So here it says, I want you to leave your culture. Their, their culture was one of idolatry, the counterfeit. Uh, there was apathy. There was compromise. There was sin. And as God began to deal with me, I, as I've said before, I, I have a, a, a Scottish heritage. And as I looked at the qualities and personality of a Scotsman, Many of the things that I looked at were contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. If you're going to cross the second river, there may be some things, watch me now, there may be some things in your culture that are contrary to the fruit of the Spirit that need to go. Good place for amen. This is difficult. This is deep. This is challenging, but I'm simply unpacking my own journey with you. And I realize, God, there are some things that I need to repent of. Generations. Generations are lineage or birthplace, what we know as a child. And God says he visits the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. So if I stay in my soul, I'm, if I go back four generations on my father's side, my mother's side, I can be influenced by 30 different people, some of whom I've never met, because I live in my soul. God wants us to live in the spirit so he can reparent us so we can become like him. He said, I want you to leave your parents. Abram was in Haran five years. So, Abraham became the father of many nations because he recognized his wall. And the Bible says, God said to him, I want you to get up early and go to a place I will show you. So when you come to your wall, you're maybe not going to know what's ahead, but you put your hand in the hand of the father leave parents, culture, and generate. And we're not, we're not putting parents or culture generations down. All we're saying is whatever's contrary to Bible, whatever's contrary to the fruit of the Spirit, we push it aside, we get out of our soul, we get under the umbrella of the Spirit because we carry the umbrella, but it's never up. Get it up and go on a journey where God wants to show you where your destiny is. What did I do? Thank you. It had to happen. I knew it was going to happen. This is so much fun. Here's the thing. 
it only happens when the boss is here. <laughs> Let's bring this home. Worship team, will you come? If you're going to cross the river, you're going to get wet. Isn't this fun? Save the sound system, please. That's all I'll be known by. Blew up the sound system. When I continuously walk in my soul, I expose myself to the family of origin. Your family of origin cannot help you change if they're behind you or beside you. So anything that's contrary to the fruit of the Spirit, I must leave. What's really interesting, it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, watch this. We don't know what's on the other side of our wall. That's often why we stay on this side. But the word Lord here is Jehovah, all-sufficient one. He is also everything you need is on the other side of the wall as we trust him and walk in obedience. Also, this word Lord is Shabbat, which means to live. Jehovah is full of life. And Jesus said, I'm come that ye might have life and have it more abundantly. So our takeaway is this. Let's stand together. When we are able to develop a soft heart, give it totally to God. We go on a spiritual journey with the Father. The result is koinonia, breaking through our wall and allowing Jehovah to reparent us. So I looked for 30 years. And I am excited to be a part of our fellowship. But I, for one, want to pursue him wholeheartedly. And I've talked with enough leaders and enough pastors, even in the last several months. They're hungry. God's doing something in our fellowship. There's a a stirring. there's There's a fresh awareness. Here's the thing. The wind is blowing. It's time to get our sail back up. Let us take, let him take us where we've never gone before. Just bow your heads with me for a moment. In spite of the distractions, you've been very focused. Thank you. I want to ask you a question. As you're listening to this word, I'm going to ask you to respond in just a minute by raising your hand because I want to pray for you. You would say, Pastor, I realize there's a lot of influence on my my soul. There's a lot of, if you're like me, you know you have a strong soul. So I, I know how long it takes for me to every day get into that place with God. To bring my soul into submission to the Holy Spirit. 
and you're just here today and you say, Pastor, I know God's brought me out of slavery, but I have to confess I'm more of a servant than a son or daughter. And I want to grow in sonship. I want to grow in daughtership because we need you to be spiritual fathers and mothers. Paul said we've got 10,000 guardians, paid babysitters, but not many fathers. And you have to become a son or daughter to become a spiritual father or mother. And we are desperate for that kind of leadership. You're here today and you say, God's speaking to my heart. Don't understand it all. There haven't been footprints in my parents' culture and generations. But I hear the word. I feel the tug in my spirit. I'm willing to go where I've never gone before, beginning with my devotions tomorrow morning, beginning with what I wrote down on that paper, beginning with giving my heart to the Father. You sense God speaking to you. I want to include you in this closing prayer. Can I just see your hand? You just hold it up. Say, oh, God's talking. Oh, beautiful. What a response. What a response. Thank you so much. Oh. I know time is gone, but I just in my spirit, I just feel we need to do this. If you raise your hand, I want you to come to this altar, and we'll just take a few moments. I want to pray with you. But if you feel that in your heart, there's just something about coming to an altar. If you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come. Don't be, don't be afraid. This is, this is you stepping out. This is you taking that step. This is you saying, I need, I need the fear of God is humility. Just come, just push right in. This is so beautiful. I know time is gone, but this is, this can be life-changing. This can be so significant for people. Folks, we've been servants long enough. We'll talk about Moses next Sunday. Moses was faithful as a servant. He never came into his destiny. Jesus was faithful as a son. He went to the cross. He crossed the second river. He pleased the Father. Oh, this is so beautiful. If you raise your hand, just feel free to come. Pastor Jason already asked you to do this. I'm going to ask you to do it again because it's it fits. Will you just, just put your hands like this that you're receiving a gift? The worship team is going to lead us in just a moment. Just position your hands that you're you're receiving a gift. I'm going to ask my wife to come and just lead us in prayer. We're going to believe that the spirit of sonship, the spirit of daughtership, is going to come and rest upon you. Just going to rest upon you. What you wrote down on that paper, just begin to speak to the Lord. Say, yes, Lord. I'm giving my heart to you. I'm giving my heart to you. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. Father, I'm giving my heart to you as a son. I'm giving my heart to you as a daughter. Just let something take place in your spirit right now. We've been servants long enough. I was a servant for 30 years ministry was an idol and I read this week an idol is something I set up 
So I need to pull it down, and I pulled it down and gave my heart to the Father. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. Something's happening at this altar right now. We're submitting to you, Father. We're not going to stop at the wall. We're not going to stop at the wall. We're not going to stop at the wall. Our church isn't going to stop at the wall. We're going in. We're going in. Hallelujah. Oh, we're going in. We haven't come this far to come this far. Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, we haven't come this far to come this far. There is more God has for us. Let's just agree together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We stand here with open hands and open hearts. to be your sons and daughters. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Whatever you are going to ask of us this week, we will thank walk you. in obedience. Yes, Lord. And make the next right choice. Yes. The next right choice to say thank yes. You. Thank you, thank you. Father, we're standing in this tunnel of chaos. The sand is whirling. The sand is twirling around us and we just don't even know Father, open the eyes of our understanding to be able to see that you're standing right there with us. And all we have to do is reach up and take your hand. Thank you. And put one foot ahead of the other. That's right. In faith to take the next step. Hallelujah. In obedience to take the next step. And yes. then the next. And then the next. Yes. And you will teach us how to be your sons and your daughters. Yes. Father, just let each person that's standing here today and everyone that's online, even at the sound of our voices, Father, that they would feel your embrace right now. Hallelujah. That they would feel that unconditional love wrapped around them, Father, that says you believe in them and that you are giving them identity and purpose from this day forward. You are our Father. And Father, for everything that's being today we will give you all of the praise and all of the honor and all of the glory because you alone are the only one that's worthy in Jesus name hallelujah 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 just lift your hands now with mine around this altar in the congregation let's lift our hands to the Lord as the worship team leads us and let's just welcome that intimacy don't fear. Fear comes from the enemy. Repl displace fear with faith. And move forward in trust as you move forward in obedience. Whatever it is God's saying to you, together we're going to go there. Let's lift it to the Lord. Just love him now. Sense his presence. Sense Holy Spirit. There's nothing worthwhile. Oh, that's good.